Oh, Lord. 
Amen. Praise God for what he's done, right? So good to see each of you here today. And uh, if you are a guest with us for the first time, we're so glad to have you here. But let's just take a few minutes and just maybe the people around you, maybe you're a person that says, I don't want to walk all over this place, Green You don't have to. Have people come to you. It works out really well that way. Well, let's take some time and greet each other this morning. God bless you. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Praise Assembly, especially if you're maybe a first-time, second-time guest. And if you are, if you look in the seat back in front of you, we have these Connect cards. If this is your first, second time here, please fill it out, bring it to our guest services, and we have a gift bag we'd like you to take home with you today. We really appreciate you being here today. Um, Also, in just a moment, we're going to receive our offering this morning. When you came in, there's a Speed the Light envelope on your seat. That is for an offering later on, okay? You'll really help our treasurer and our counters and our deacons if you would not put that in the first offering. Uh, We're going to take a separate offering because today is a very special day. It's Palm Sunday, as you know, on your calendar, and it's also Youth Sunday, National Youth Sunday. Now, we don't have any palms to give you, but we have a lot of youth. So make sure you take your own home after service. Otherwise, Pastor Hans will be extra burdened today. So anyways, we're going to pray in just a moment. Ushers, if you're ready. Again, this is our regular offering. Speed the Light offering will be later on. This, By the way, the Speed the Light offering is not for the youth group. It's for Speed the Light, which is a missions and of youth. And I'll talk about that later. But let's pray today right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to give to you the tithe, the offering. Lord, you are worthy, and we give you all the praise, Father. Bless each giver. Bless each gift in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, well, we have some announcements for you today, and uh, since it is Youth Sunday, I'd like to have Landon and Hope come on up and help me. They're going to come grab a mic very quickly. They're going to hustle like their life depends on it, and they're just going to grab a mic. is going to get you guys squared away. Um, how many, honestly, you think announcements are just literally some of the favorite parts of the service for me? Anybody hear you say that? Yeah, I get it. I, I, I get it. I get it. Just step right through, man. Or step around, whatever you'd like to do. Okay, just careful your cord here. Okay, test your mic real quick. Test, test. Testing, testing. All right, all right. Hey, well, we got so, a couple announcements, things going on, and uh, I'm going to have the elder of the two here, Hope, the senior, go first. And uh, Hope, would you tell us about some of the things that are going on here? Yes, of course I can, Pastor Hans. So next Sunday, we have our annual Easter egg hunt. This is honestly one of the best things that we do here. Please bring your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, any kids that you know, please bring them here. If you're interested to help hide eggs at 8 a.m. next Sunday, please see Linda after the service. Now, I have a question. Yes. Could you describe the egg hunt for, just for people that maybe Basically, don't know. the candy hunger games. Um, it gets very intense. Basically, um, there's eggs everywhere. Kids are fighting for them, but it's going to wow. be a great time. It's, it's like almost like a, like, a, like, a, like a violent event. Yes. Okay, well, actually... Yeah. Okay. Childhood friendly. We, we, we try not to make it like that, but yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. It's going to be a great time for your, for your students, uh, for your kids. And then Landon, would you tell us, we have two things going up, Landon. Tell us about the first one. Uh, yes. Uh, first, I want to get uh, pretty much everyone's, well, okay. Either way, what I'm going to say is we have Easter candy. It's for sale or whatever outside if you didn't order it because you didn't get a chance or you forgot it or whatever the reason, whatever the excuse. We don't care. What, we don't really Whatever care, lame excuse. Yeah. Yeah. What he said. But uh, we it's you. You can uh, go pick up your order if you did order it, or you can just go buy some outside. It's really good. Hey, I was one of the makers, so you already know it's gonna be yes. A plus. A plus. A plus. From a Landon. plus. A plus. And is there another announcement? Oh yeah, we have soon coming up uh, April fifteenth from six to nine p.m. The Spirit Tour. Really fun event. Bring the if you have kids, maybe they never really came. Make sure they do come. I mean, it's really fun. What grades are we talking about? Uh, is this little six, kids or? No, no, no. no. Uh, okay. Six through 12th, right? Yeah. Okay, me, yep. yeah. Just try to double check. Um, <laughs> six through 12th, you know, just bring them. It's going to be a great time. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a highlight. Time. We have a bunch of youth from Delaware and Pennsylvania, and we all meet up in Hokesson, and it's just a really a, a phenomenal time. Is there time. another event, Hope, a second yes. event you have there? Last thing is we have the evangelist. Rudy Swanepoel will be here at Praise Assembly April 16th. He's been here many times. Um, he's amazing, and we're super excited to hear what he has to say. Excellent. Hey, give it up for these students as they give us the announcements today. Thank you. Okay, and Pastor's going to come, and he's going to be receiving uh, our Speed the Light offering, talking about a couple things. Students that are going to be helping with ushering, please come back and see Sam right now. Thank you. Oh, well, <clears throat> I like that, uh, Hope. From now on, he is Pastor Hans. Okay, in case you're new here and you don't know, that is his daughter, and she did not refer to him as dad. I like that, Pastor Hans. Pastor Hans. Oh, listen, so next week is Easter Sunday's, you know, Resurrection Sunday, and I hope you'll be here and you'll bring somebody with you as well. Uh, but every Easter, we receive an offering for Convoy of Hope, one day to feed the world, one day salary to help those, help Convoy help those who have need. And they do so many different things. But before I say anything more about it, can we show the video about Convoy? The greatest gifts in life are the ones we don't even realize we've been given. The resources to provide. 
the confidence, certeza, el fita, confianza, in supply, the belief, paniniwala, emuna, seguridad, for enough. The power of a meal is often underestimated, but should never be overlooked. For decades, Convoy of Hope has been giving hope through agriculture initiatives, disaster relief, women's empowerment, children's feeding programs, and more. And One Day to Feed the World helps make this possible. The security that comes with a guaranteed meal can ignite the belief in and practical path to a better life. Please partner with us as we continue bringing other children and families to the table. And you can give <clears throat> next week in person. We'll have envelopes out. You can give online between now and then or even after. But again, you heard about all the different ministries that they're involved in. And they are worth it. They've been very, very busy, as you know, in, uh, in the south central part of our country, as far north as Arkansas with all the tornadoes that have gone through recently. And they are there. They're ready and they're out there. So, uh, And then again, a reminder about Rudy and Sharon Swanepoel, the two wild Africans, will be with us the week after Easter. That's what, somehow they picked up that name when they were here. The, they're wild Africans. And uh, it's been four years at least since they've been here. Really looking forward to them. Uh, right now we have them scheduled for Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and then again on Wednesday evening. So um, get word out. We'll have more in, the, in next week's bulletin for that. Now at this time we have a special offering for Speed the Light. That is the missions arm of our youth. And these funds go to dig wells in Africa, water wells. And boy, does that make the church grow wherever they do this. People just are flocking to those churches. Secondly, we also buy vehicles, sound equipment, and other items for our missionaries that are out in the field. So a missionary comes here to speak. They're just raising money for their, for their own welfare. And so the youth help supply the equipment. And so that's what that, this is about. So whatever you can do today would be much appreciated. Thank you in advance for giving. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the youth of this church. And Lord, we thank you for what they do through Speed the Light each and every year. And Lord, I thank you that we have this opportunity to help them. Lord, that we can give them something to, to boost their budget in the way of missions. And I pray again your blessing on each gift today and each giver in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Hey, uh, this is a, a fairly new youth band here put together, and I'm so proud of them. They did, really have done a great job. This is a song we've been working on. And before we actually sing this song, uh, there's going to be a scripture that's going to be read, and then we're praying that this song really ministers to your life today. James 1, 2 through 4, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let the perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything.
Great job, everybody. You guys did excellent. I'm so proud of you. Mm. Is it hot in here or? Yeah. This, I'm getting flashbacks of being at real life, sweating through shirts like crazy. So anyways, but we appreciate uh, all of our students. I mean, uh, there are so many here that, that do things that... Uh, uh, in regards to students that do things that, you know, they're never going to be on a platform. It's just not their thing. We have students that take out trash at the end of youth nights. We have students, students when it comes to volunteering for things, they're the first one in line. You might never see them playing a song or doing something like that, but they are a vital part of Praise Youth. We have students that invite friends all the time. And uh, that's one of the things I've been really excited about seeing is uh, Students inviting students, that is the best way. And you know, even, even growing a local fellowship, a local church, it's people inviting people, whether it's rangers or girls' ministries, it's inviting people out. And that's why we're, uh, we're excited about the future for our youth ministry here. There are some challenges in youth ministry, and especially as all of us uh, get uh, older in life. Doesn't matter if you're 26 or 36 or 46, it's just some things are, are difficult or challenging. And uh, I have a video here I want to show you because uh, how many remember the cool word when you were uh, a teenager, when you were like, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17? You didn't say these to adults, but when you communicated to each other, you know, you used certain words. I had a, a list I was messing around with this week, um, you know, groovy and different words like you guys maybe used when you were, uh, when you were a kid. There, there were some funny ones from the 40s and the 50s. Uh, the, the 40s was zooty. Man, you look zooty. That was like, you know, the zoot suits. Remember those? Remember hearing about zoot? No one here probably grew up in the 40s, but you remember zoot suits. And when, when you look at those, it, it really, you really look sharp. So if you look zooty, you look really sharp. Man, you look, you're, you're dressed really nice. So maybe you want to bring that back. It's been a while. It's been like, you know, 80 years. Maybe I'll bring it back. Hey, looking zooty, you know? But uh, sometimes in youth ministry, when students talk to each other, mostly through social messaging, uh, through social, social media, instant messaging, they talk to each other. Um, as, a, as a leader, and I think our leaders can relate to this, sometimes you're like, what are you talking about? And so here's a video that kind of talks a little bit about that. A few of you, uh, you're a youth pastor, and you're wanting to give your kids a high five because you haven't seen them all week. No, no. Yo, I heard you uh, signed up for uh, serve day. That's, that's valid. <laughs> uh, that's, that's valid. That's so valid. That's valid. No. Do you do you guys hear my stomach rumble? <laughs> it's giving Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Whoa! Careful, you, you don't uh, you don't want to get shadow banned. Hey, did you guys hear that uh, we got 50 kids coming to uh, camp this week? So I guess we have to get a bus. I guess you could say that is um, bussin' bussin'. Aww. It's bussin', it's bussin', bussin', like the bus. <laughs> It's the no deodorant after playing three hours of um, ga um, volley va ga gaga ball for me. It's the um, skipping youth group for basketball practice last week for me. I'm kidding. I'm, gl I'm glad you're here. I don't know about you, but Jesus lives in my head rent free. Rent, 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 uh, rent free. It's free of rent. 
Hey, look who's here. Main character energy. Put a finger down if you can help stack chairs. Yo, main character energy. Put a finger down if you think my wife's hot. Hey, we got a main character over here. Oh, oh. <laughs> FYP, that looks like that TikTok sound. Don't, don't cancel me. Yeah, that, that is so cap. That's for sure a cap. Like, truthfully, that's cap. Hey, cap. Hey, cap. Yo, cap, guys. Yo, that was cap. That's so legit. Yo, that is so cap and cool, fam. Like, hmm. you guys like want to go get some- lost. You're like, I don't even know where I am right now. What is going on? See, that's how you can feel when it talks, to, when, it, when it comes to the slang, the words that students use, like cap, you know, at the end there. How many know what cap means? Yeah. How many know what no cap means? Cap means what? A lie, that's not true. No cap means that's the truth. I'm telling you, that's the truth. So these are things, these are challenges sometimes in youth ministry that maybe uh, that we face. And as parents, you, sometimes you look, you might, you might, you know, uh, be uh, texting your students or whatever, your kids, and you know, you hear these words. Hope keeps me up to date, and it's it's a it's a it's a lost cause. It really is. I you know, I don't I don't care anymore. I just go. That's a lie instead of cap. You know, that's what I do. But, and, and the truth is, they don't care if I know either. It really is not a big deal. But uh, keeping up on that can be a challenge. And uh, we just appreciate our students, every one of them, middle school, high school. We've got some graduates coming up. The 21st, uh, we're going to be taking our graduates out uh, for, uh, for lunch. We're going to have a great time. And uh, for those that gave in our Speed the Light offering, thank you for your generosity. Again, historically, this church has been so generous when needs have been presented, and we appreciate you doing that. So, hey, today I'm going to be, uh, I have the, the second church, the church in Smyrna. How many have been, actually been to Smyrna this week? Anybody actually drove down to Smyrna? A few of you did. Yeah, you've been there. And I, I learned quickly when I moved to Delaware, it's Smyrna. It's, it's, kept a little, it's got a little hitch in it, right? That's the way, it's kind of like uh, Newark and Newark, you know? It's kind of like the little, little subtle, but it's, it's, a, it's a real thing. And uh, but we're going to be talking about the church in Smyrna today, and uh, Smyrna is, the church in Smyrna is really, really called, it's, it's, this is a very serious letter, this, this aspect of the letter, they're all very serious. This one's, this one's uh, challenging. Uh, how many know that suffering in life is challenging? Maybe you've suffered physically, uh, you've suffered uh, because of maybe the consequences of something you've done years ago, or you are suffering at the hands of someone that you had nothing to do with it, and you're facing this, and you know suffering is difficult. Um, suffering really bothers me, um, uh, not only for me, but for others. You know, when, when, I, when I look at, at people in destitution, it really, really bothers me. How, can, how many relate to that? It really bothers me. Um, uh, that's one of the reasons, as I said before, why I hate horror movies. I, I don't like horror. I mean, there's multiple reasons I don't like horror movies. But the, one of the main reasons is when, when the theme is people being tortured or, you know, killed brutally. It just, it, it just sends me, it makes me want to fight. I've talked about this before. I get very, actually right now, my blood pressure, if you, if you checked, it would be up like 20 points. Because I get so angry when these things happen. And uh, even, even on, a, on, on a much lighter note, on a, on a Friday night, we're in there and I see a student come in, and I know what it's like to be new. Now, some of you in life, it's been forever since you've been new. But to be a, a middle school or high school student and come in where you don't know anybody, you just know a person or two, it can be very 
challenging. And my heart goes out to them because I remember in life what it is like to be new. And, uh, you know, let's face it, we avoid suffering at all costs, don't we? We, we, we really do avoid it. I mean, uh, if it's in, in a few months when it gets too hot, we get in our car, and what are we doing? Man, we're turning the AC on. You know, some of you don't do that, but the vast majority of you, you're going to turn that AC on because you don't want beads of sweat pouring down your face. You want to feel comfortable. You go into your house, let's turn that AC on. Some of you are, you know, hold out till, you know, I'm not turning the AC on in the house until, like, you know, August 1st. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to it. But, uh, you know, if we, if we get hungry, we get the slightest bit hungry. Man, we got to put some food in us, right? We, we don't want to get too hungry. And uh, food is there, a snack is there, you know, a protein bar, something. We want to avoid hunger. Slow internet. Is there anything more irritating than slow internet? Where you're like, really? I'm just trying to load an email. It's not that big a deal. Slow internet. Suffering, right? We just, we want to avoid it at all costs. Um, you know, maybe you, maybe you have to watch a, a, a game, uh, you know, maybe you have to watch a, a soccer match or a football game in HD and not 4K. You know, I mean, really? Is, 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 has it really come to that? And we just want to not suffer in any way. And those are, of course, very light, uh, almost, you know, first world problems type suffering. But in, in general, we do not want to suffer. And the church in Smyrna will be the modern city of Izmir in Turkey. And, uh, of course, I have to say these things about Turkey, I mean, about, about Smyrna, so that, so that it will confirm that you think I'm a, a vastly intelligent person that can give you all the historical background, right, of, of this place. Uh, when it comes to Izmir, you're like, I don't even know where that is. I probably won't look later, even. I, I, I don't even care. But it is it's in Turkey. And the name of the city, this is interesting stuff. The name of the city means myrrh. And uh, when, when you look at myrrh, it's one of the three gifts, remember, that were given to Jesus as a, as a toddler, as a young child, given to his parents for him. And uh, it is an analgesic, good for pain relieving. And uh, I don't know if HIPAA will allow me to ask you that, but how many have taken Advil, Naproxen, or Tylenol this week at any point? And you're, you just took, we took one. Yeah. See, we like pain relief, Right. I'm not going to mention the other drugs that might have been taken for pain purposes because of surgeries and stuff. We're not getting into that. But over-the-counter stuff we can talk about freely. Um, but it was also used to clean wounds and bombing ointment. Very, very valuable. And uh, these believers, even though they were living in a place called myrrh, which is supposed to relieve pain, they weren't experiencing that at all. They were people that were living in the midst of pain. They were people living in the midst of hardship. In Revelation chapter 2, we're going to read four verses in a moment, verse 8 through 11. And looking at verse 8, the first part of verse 8 says this, To the angel of the church in Smyrna, write. Write. And we're going to just leave that on the screen if you would. Now, as we're reading that, just a few things we're going to notice. Number one, Smyrna is arguably, and it's not in this verse, but it, it gives us a little introduction. It's arguably the most beautiful location of any of the seven churches in Revelation. I know several of you, I'm sure many of you, maybe you're going to go to a beautiful place this summer. You're going to get away, get out of Delaware. Maybe, well, maybe you're not. Maybe you're going to go to the beautiful beaches of Delaware. You're going to go to the beautiful beaches of New Jersey. Or you're going to go to Florida. Or you're going to go to the islands somewhere. But you're going to go to a beautiful place. And Smyrna is arguably, of all the seven churches, the most beautiful place. 
But even in the midst of the most beautiful situations, suffering can exist. You know, I, I, this is, maybe this is just because of what I do uh, as, a, as, a, as a ministry, but I'm always thinking about people. People are everything. Buildings come and go. People are, are everything. And uh, sometimes when I drive by just gorgeous, beautiful homes, on occasion I'll think, but you know what? They may live in a beautiful home, but there could be suffering going on in that house. As gorgeous as it is, landscaped perfectly, you know, great cars, all these excellent things, it doesn't mean anything because someone may be suffering in that beautiful place. There can be people that I've been on vacation. Uh, I go on vacation. There's people around me, and, and, and it's a beautiful place. There's great food. There's all kinds of things to do, but it doesn't mean that people aren't suffering there. It's a seaport place, Smyrna is, uh, and, and people spoke of the beauty. They often referred to it as a crown by the sea, a crown there. And uh, in some of the most beautiful places in the world, God's people have still suffered for their faith. Number two, things to notice. It's written to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Now, there is a little, I wouldn't even call it a debate. There is thoughts. Was this, uh, the word here, angel, is the word messenger. Was this uh, an actual angel who had charge over that church or region? Uh, we're not sure. Um, it was it a pastor, a leader in the church in Smyrna. Uh, that's probably more, uh, more likely. And I believe that the pastor leader option makes the most sense due to the fact that Jesus is saying, hey, write this to that church. The, the, the model, the pattern that God would give messages to people through angels. He would tell the angel, the angel would go and tell uh, the people where, where uh, John is having to write this down to give it to the messenger, which would actually make a little more sense. But whatever option is correct, the, the next four verses that we're going to read in a moment are for this church, for that time in their in a season of what's happening in their lives. It's a very short letter, four verses. I mean, how many of you have ever gotten a letter and it's just like four? Now, an email, that would make sense, right? You get an email, you know, four sentences, boom, boom, done. 132 letters, actually, after this little greeting here. 132 uh, words, rather. You can say that God says powerful things to you and I in very short order. Uh, in the beginning, he said, let there be what? Light. <laughs> yep, just let there be light. Okay. There, and there was. Um, Jesus said to some, rise up and walk. And they did. Remember Lazarus? He said, Lazarus, come out. Uh, God doesn't need a whole lot to say to speak powerfully to our lives. I remember in 1990, I was at a youth camp. I had just become a Christian like maybe four or five months before, and they needed some help at, at youth camp. And back then we were called counselors, like we could have counseled anybody. Yeah, no. We're called chaperones now, right? Right, leaders? We're called chaperones. We're just making sure no one dies. That's what we're trying to do. That's our goal. If we leave with 15 or 30, we come back with the same. That's perfect. Even if they're not our same kids, as long as we come back with the same number, I think you understand. But in 1990, I remember being at an altar as a, as a counselor, just praying for students, and, and then just being down there myself, and, and literally having this sense, this uh, not hearing the audible voice of God, but, but this thought entered my mind, Hans, will you serve me? That simple. Will you serve me? And really seeing where God has taken my life since then. 
Think about the short things Jesus has said to you. Maybe he said, forgive them. Trust me. Maybe he said that to you. Maybe he said, do you believe me? Maybe he said, don't be afraid. Maybe he said to you, are you finished yet? I don't know. But the short things that God says, and in this letter, even though it's short, it has powerful things to say. And his introduction here, after he, he, he mentions the, the angel to the church in Smyrna, his introduction, he says this, These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. See, why is this introduction so important to the church in Smyrna to hear? Number one, he says this, I'm the first and the last. If, if you're a sports fan here, if you follow uh, basketball, football, you hear it most in football, but you can hear it in other sports too. It'll talk of an athlete and it'll say, uh, they're the first one in and the last one to leave. How many have heard that? The first one in, last one to leave. And it's really a sign of a true leader. You know, they're here at 4 a.m., and then they leave at midnight and somehow they find sleep and get something to eat. You know, who knows how, they, you know, how that's possible. But they're the first one in, last one out. You know, that's their mentality. They're top athletes. They're true leaders. They're dedicated. They're committed. They're great. And God says this, this these words you're about to hear, they're from the first and the last. Like, I'm the first one in and the last one to leave, if God could do that. He's the, the first and the last. Isaiah 44, 6, God reveals himself to the nation of Israel, and he says, I am the first and the last. Hebrews 12, 2 says uh, the same thing in a little different way. In the King James, it says, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one who started it all, the one who will be there uh, in the end to judge it all. He has seen it all. He knows it all. He comprehends it all. He controls it all. He's the first and the last. And he also introduces himself in this way. He says he's the one who died and came to life again. Now, earlier in John's uh, vision here, and he writes this down in chapter 1 of Revelation, verse 18, he says, I'm the living one. I was dead. And now, look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. See, he endured the worst thing that life had to offer, which was suffering and death. He not only endured it, but he defeated it. And now he holds the keys, right? Ha ha, I got the keys. You know, he, he holds the keys. And I was thinking about that. And please, please excuse this example, but it was just the one that kept, it just kept going on in my head. It's like, it's like at homecoming at your high school. It's like beating your homecoming rival. Football, basketball, doesn't matter what. It's like beating your homecoming rival and then taking the captain of the other team's captain, taking his girlfriend to prom. It's like that. It's like, it's like I literally beat you and then I said to your girlfriend, hey, would you go to prom with me? And she's like, sure I would. And, and that's literally what Jesus did. He, like, he defeated him and he said, and I have the keys and I'm going to live forever, so take that. It's like he didn't just win. He utterly destroyed and defeated the enemy. Can you say amen? Yeah. Amen. Romans uh, 8.34 says this. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 
See, this introduction reminds the people of Smyrna who Jesus is. Now, moving on. Then he begins to tell them specifically about their suffering in verses 9 and 10. And he actually addresses three types of suffering this church and other believers throughout history have endured. We're going to read verse 9. It says this. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. Now, the word afflictions here conveys the picture of a, of, of, of a narrow place that hems someone in so that they internally begin to believe they have no other options. Have you ever felt hemmed in? Have you ever felt like that at work where you have no options? You can't turn left, you can't turn right, you can't go back, you, you seemingly can't go forward. Have you ever felt hemmed in maybe in your marriage where you just feel like, I try this or I try that and nothing seems to work and I feel hemmed in here. Have you ever felt uh, hemmed in with your children maybe? I've tried this, I've tried that, I've do this, and I feel like if I do that, I get, I get pushed back here, and I, I'm not in agreement with this one. It's just, it's almost like a place where you just, the, the, the path you're walking is getting narrower and narrower, and it's just, there's no way out. And this word afflictions kind of has that connotations. For these people, more than likely, jobs are being taken away because of their faith. Not because they're poor employees, not because they're showing up late, not because they're not doing their job, but because of their faith, things are being taken away, possibly properties being seized, but living is being made very difficult. And this affliction, of course, is resulting in poverty. And Jesus knew that their situation was difficult this way, this way. And if you've ever felt hemmed in, you know how difficult that is. And when you don't feel like you have any options in life, or at least not any good options. And because of their faith, they were enduring hardship that had stripped their ability to provide for themselves. Yet, Jesus says, they were rich. What? What? I mean, is this that nonsense talk, like, you know, the name and claim it stuff? Uh, you know, you don't have this, but you, you do. You're rich. I mean, what, what, is, what is this? What is Jesus talking about here? See, outwardly, everything looks bad. Have you been there? Man, this is falling apart. That's happened. I just, I seem like I can't control anything maybe in your life. You had a certain period or a moment or a pocket in your life when you've experienced that. Outwardly, everything looks bad, but something was going on that they maybe at this moment, and Jesus needed to remind them, they couldn't see clearly. Paul describes it this way. The Apostle Paul, he, he gets this right here, he, this truth, this reality. He says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, we're sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Maybe you can relate to that type of affliction. Maybe you've lost a, a job or had a drastic change or cut in your income. Maybe you're barely making ends meet. Yet during that season, that time, that moment, you, you, you saw your faith grow like no other time in your life. And there was a richness, a richness that uh, couldn't be put in dollar symbols. Um, it is interesting when you ask people, uh, when they felt the most rich, oftentimes it won't be when the time when they actually had the most. It'll actually be a time in their life when they felt very, very just free. It wasn't just about the resources they had. There was more to it. Um, as I said, um, uh, sometimes I get confused what I say in youth and what I say here. 
But uh, uh, one of the times I said before, when Jody and I first got married, we lived in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, our rent was $240 a month for a furnished apartment, a one-bedroom love shack, you know, just a one-bedroom. There's no, no company because there wasn't any room for company. But it was that, utilities included and everything. We had a car and we had love, right? <laughs> Those are good days. I mean, we went out to eat twice a week, Sunday and another day. We saved 20, 25% of our income and gave, and it, we were living the dream. It was amazing. It was, it was incredible. Those are fond memories. How many have memories similar to that or just, you know, in that same vein? Some of you are living it right now. You're like, that's my life. I'm living the dream right now. But the church in Smyrna may have looked like they were wasting away to outsiders, but they were wealthy beyond what that city knew about wealth, and it knew about wealth. It knew about beauty. There's another aspect of suffering the church in Smyrna was familiar with that Jesus himself knew. And so the first aspect of their suffering was, was the affliction, being hemmed in the poverty. That was the first aspect of suffering that people uh, in our nation and, and around the world would be very familiar with, actually. But the second one, he says this, I know about the slander of those who say they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. This is in some ways maybe some of the most difficult suffering this church is enduring. Now the word slander here is abusive words and refers to someone spreading scandalous rumors about another. So it's not, it's not just, uh, it's not just you know, uh, somebody just saying, well, I think you're ugly and your mother's ugly and you know, stuff like that. This is... This is things that cause you to lose work. These are things that cause your reputation to be destroyed. And isn't it that one of the most dev devastating ways to suffer is by what, what people say? By what people say. See, physical beatings, I mean, as unpleasant as they, they are, if you've ever been in a fight or have gotten beat physically, you know, there's nothing fun about that. There's nothing fun about that. But it is the emotional, mental side of that and of the words that are the most powerful uh, blood, bruises, cuts, gashes, scrapes, they really do all heal. You know, I mean, obviously there are injuries that can be life-altering. Uh, life but, but generally getting beat, those wounds go away. But abusive language, threats, as well as scandalous lies, they ruin people's lives. I mean, think about the painful things that people have said to you in your lifetime. See, uh, I don't know about you, but in middle school, I would... I literally would not go back to, if you put a million dollars in front of me and said, you have to go back to middle school, I'd be like, hey, have a great life. No, I'm good. I'm good. I would not go back to middle school. So if you're, if you're a middle school student, if you're a sixth, seventh, and eighth grade student, um, my, not only does my heart go out to you, but everything that's inside of me wants to just encourage you to say, you can make it. Life gets better. Even the, the, the middle school is a challenge. Maybe for me more than others. Um, but, you know, I, I, I faced physical fights in school. Probably most of them I just forgot about. But I tell you, it's the words that were said, the comments made, the things that were, were, were said and joking that really were painful. Isn't that true about life? It's the things people say, parents, friends, classmates, you know, co-workers. It's those things that cut deep. Man, they're powerful in life. But it's not bad enough that they're receiving slander, but they're, receiving, uh, they're enduring these words that are coming from people who claim 
uh, righteousness, who claim at least some type of superior understanding or, or some type of possible religious affiliation. It appears that there's a, a faction of maybe godless Jews that are plaguing the church. And it's interesting because this Philadelphia, the Church of Philadelphia, which we'll hear about later, pastor will be preaching on that one, which appropriately so as an Eagles fan. Uh, they're facing the same problem. And uh, Satan is using them to persecute this church in Smyrna. But Peter knew about, all about this slander. He knew all about this. And, uh, and, and uh, Peter warns in 1 Peter 5, 8, 9, he says, Be alert, sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. See, Satan will use people to bring suffering into life. How many know that? That, 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 that look, Satan can use people to bring suffering into life. Just like God uses people submitted to him to bring good, right? You've experienced that. Maybe you're, hopefully you're a part of that, that God's literally using your life. You're controlled by him, and he's using your life to be able to bring good to people around you, to bring hope, to bring truth to their life. Satan will also use people in rebellion against God for evil. And this is what's happening in Smyrna. Now, lastly, the last part of their suffering, you know, the first being the affliction and the poverty, the second being the slander, the words, the accusations, all these things. But the last one here, not only did the church face these, but they face the fear of an unknown future. Verse 10 reads this. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put you, some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death. And I will give you, uh, I, I will give you life as your victor's crown. Let me read it again. Be faithful, even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. How many say, say amen to that? Amen. Now, this verse brings all kinds of questions to modern day readers. Who's going to prison? Where's the prison? Uh, was it an actual 10 day period? Was it a period, 10 periods of time? Was it during the time of 10 ruling emperors? What, what, what were the 10? And we can get so wrapped up in that. But, but let's kind of uh, address it this way. We may not know all the details for sure, but we can learn some things that are really the most important them, things for them to hear and for us to be able to understand. And it's this. And, and there are four things here. They are told not to be afraid. Have you ever had to tell somebody that? Maybe in so many words, you were training somebody at work and they were nervous. And maybe you said, don't be afraid. But you might have said something like, hey, don't worry about it. You'll get it. What you meant is don't be afraid. You know, don't be afraid. Have you ever had to tell a child that? Maybe, uh, maybe last night you had to tell your dog that because the storms go on. They bark and go crazy. You know, hey, relax, relax, relax. You know, don't be afraid. Maybe you've had to tell somebody that in your life. Maybe you've had to tell yourself that. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I can do this. I'm walking here. I can do this. Don't be afraid. Maybe you had to tell yourself that. But Jesus tells them, do not be afraid. They're afraid of helplessness or the dreaded possible outcome. But Jesus says, the outcome that you dread is not what you think. There's actually no reason to be afraid. And he comforts them, first of all. He says, do not be afraid. Secondly, they are told they will experience suffering. Okay, I don't, I don't particularly like that truth. Okay, how many, 
the truth of you're going to suffer in this life, you could just say, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Okay, I'm not a big fan of that. John 15, 20. This is what, Je this is what Jesus says, um, and, and it's just the reality of it. He says, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. We're not, a student is not above his teacher. We, we get that. Jesus, if you went through that, it shouldn't shock us. It shouldn't surprise us when we experience suffering in life. Now, again, you can go through the history of our nation and currently what's happening. I would not be surprised and shocked if actual suffering for faith is in our not-so-far future. That doesn't excite me. I don't say it with a gleam in my eye or, yeah. But it's, it's the reality of the culture we live in as we're moving uh, really uh, away from uh, people accepting uh, the truth of the gospel. Uh, that can be a very strong reality that you will experience suffering. He also tells them uh, the devil is on a leash. If you've ever walked your dog and they roam, that's kind of hard to walk them that way. But if you have them on a leash, you control how far away they are from you. You control uh, all kinds of things. But it's a little tug, a little tap on the side. You can make them do all kinds of things. The devil, folks, is on a leash. And he says this. Uh, how do we know the devil's on a leash? Well, he says, some of you will go to prison. Not all of you. Some of you will go to prison. And you'll go to prison, not be put to death. You will suffer persecution for 10 days. That's a limited a period of time or a li limited moment. He is limited in his power, knowledge, control, and time. The devil is on a leash. And the fourth thing there that he basically tells him in this verse is they are told they will be eternally rewarded for their faithfulness. You know, faithfulness is um, it's not, it's not just, it's not just hanging in there. Okay? It's not like, you know, putting your fingers there and just like, I'm just hanging in there. I'm just, I'm just making it to the end. That, uh, faithfulness is believing. It's living a life of faith, even when things look dark or things look difficult or challenging, saying, God, I know things look this way, and I, I literally put my life into your hands again. Even if you have to say it 75 times a day, God, I belong to you. That's one of the one of the false things that people believe about, about living a life of faith. You can acknowledge to God your weakness a thousand times a day. It's okay. God, I don't feel strong today, but I trust you. God, I don't know what to do here, but I need you to guide me. Uh, God, I don't know what choice to make, but you know, I'm believing that you're going to help me. And even if you have to say that again many times throughout a day, that is living a life of faith. God, I, I, I blew it right there, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm trusting you. I'm believing you. See, they are told that they will be re eternally rewarded for their faithfulness. A victor's crown is actually what Jesus says. And you remember the historical reference to this city. It was spoken of as a crown. It was so beautiful as a city. It was just a crown on the sea there. Just a, a gorgeous place with all kinds of resource, all kinds of opportunity, all kinds of wealth. And Jesus is telling them, I have a crown for you, church in Smyrna, that's greater than all this city has to offer. All the, the contracts business owners can give out, all the opportunities they have. I am going to give, if you'll be faithful to me, I will give you, I will give you a crown, a victor's crown. 
So what about your life? As we kind of wrap it up here, come to a conclusion, what about your life? I mean, I don't know of anybody here that's sharing their faith and, and literally getting beaten up and thrown out of a car or, you know, something terrible or, you know, your job's been snatched away from you. you know, maybe there are some of you that that's, that's happened to. Maybe you've faced suffering in your faith. Maybe you've lost work because of your faith. Maybe you've been ridiculed or abused verbally or even physically. Maybe lost some of, uh, of your reputation or even some opportunities because of that. But probably most in this room have not faced what the church in Smyrna has faced. What are we to do with these words to the church of Smyrna? And I'm going to read the last verse, verse 11, that will give us some insight and some help. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. Whoever has, has ears. Now, there's a good chance that all of us here have our ears, or at least, you know, part of our ear, most of our ears, we have them here, we can see them. But how many of us really hear the Spirit of God? Maybe this morning, are you hearing what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to your life? If you're a, you know, a sophomore in high school, or you're a senior, maybe you're an older adult, you know, maybe you're a young adult, are you hearing what God has to say to us? He says this, the one who has overcome calls us to obey him because he has gone before us, because he has won the battle, because he has defeated the enemy, because he has beaten death, and now he stands in charge, in charge. And this is a verse I want to leave you with here, John chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. I'm going to stop for a second. I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. I don't know what your future brings. I don't know what my future brings. I don't know what the next minute brings. I don't know what's going to happen when I walk out the I have no idea. You don't either. We don't have a clue. But Jesus told us these things. He allowed that to be written down, circulated, and preserved for today. Told us all these things so that in him we may have peace. I don't know what you're facing right now. You could be facing some, some real difficulty that no one knows about. Well, God has given you this today so that in him you can have peace. No matter what everything's flailing around and doing in life or other people are, are doing to make your life crazy, Jesus has given us his words so that in him we can have peace. And he goes on. In this world, you will have trouble. And everyone here said, amen. In this world, you're going to have trouble you're going to be misunderstood by people, misrepresented. You're going to have the best intentions and things will backfire in your face. You're going to, have, uh, all, you're going to share your faith with somebody and they're going to shut you down. You know, all kinds of things in life. There's trouble everywhere in life. Man, I wish there wasn't, but if you've lived longer than, you know, probably 20 years, you know, 15 years, you know there's trouble. There's trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. Isn't, that, isn't that powerful for you and I? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome 
the world. Could we stand together this morning? Jesus, we come to you today and we say thank you for your word. God, thank you for bringing courage and strength and wisdom and power to the church of Smyrna. God, thank you for uh, allowing your words to them to be preserved for us today, that we could find the same courage, that we could find the same hope and the same strength. And I pray that today, all across this room, Lord, if there are people that are uh, suffering, maybe not for the gospel, but they're just suffering, they're going through things that literally are just, they don't know what to do. They don't know what way to turn. Uh, they don't know how to act, what steps to take. It's, it's just overwhelming to them. God, I pray that they would find peace in you today as they just even verbally say, even right now as I'm speaking, under their breath, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you no matter what. Lord, I trust you. God, I pray that they would not build their lives on lies but the truth of your word, that they would follow you, that they would begin to walk with you in a powerful way. God, I pray uh, for us as, as followers of you that uh, in these days to come, whatever they might bring, whatever the uncertainty might be, God, we stand firm and strong in who you are. We look at the church of Smyrna as an example to how to handle suffering, adversity, challenges. And Lord, when those moments arise in our lives, Lord God, cause us to rest on the truth of your word and the power of your spirit. We love you and we honor you. God, I pray as people go today and celebrate this Palm Sunday that you would bless them. Make them a light wherever they go. And I especially pray for our students, our middle school and high school students. God, continue to grow them uh, to be a light for you, to be powerful in your hands. Guide and direct their steps. Protect them from sin that wants to just destroy them. And bless them in every way. As a church, God, help us to, help us to bring courage and encouragement to their lives as we go along. Lord, we love you. And we say, say thank you for these moments today. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great day today. <laughs>